This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our twice weekly show on a Tuesday and Friday at 5 pm UK time. Our Tuesday shows is where I'm joined by a guest and I'm going to introduce you to him in just a second. But before we do, as always, our show is sponsored by Football Prizes and this week we've got a hell of a prize to talk about. It is a signed Thomas Partey shirt with full uh, certificate of identification. This is Prize is flying off the shelves at the moment. It's been on for a couple of days and there's already 62 people out of the 99 people that can buy tickets have gone. And this is the first time that even me, even me has bought a ticket for this. Even I, rather, even I have bought a ticket for this one. Um, So make sure you get it before they run out. But let's kick on with today's show. I'm joined by the one and only gentleman himself, Clive. How do you, mate? Are you well? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Yes, very, very good. Uh, you just finished work, you tell me. It's been a stressful day, chill day. Yeah, I've got to do more work when we're, when we're done. I'm going back to work and then another oh. podcast later doing a rewatch of the first half. But when you, I mean, when you enjoy your job, though, you never work a day in your life, is what uh, they say. So. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Very lucky we work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of people in the chat box that have been showing you a lot of love and looking forward to this show um, and we much appreciate all of you in the chat box for listening and of course send the tweets out throughout the day um, but we're here because uh, obviously I want to have a chat to you and catch up and, and talk a little bit how things have gone since we last spoke in which they weren't particularly great um, when we last yeah. spoke earlier on in the season and we were in a pretty poor stage since then, whilst the league position isn't massively healthier, I think the state of the club is, is quite a bit healthier since then. And, and we've kind of turned a corner ever since Boxing Day. Um, what have you kind of made of the turnaround in that period? Uh, and do you think they're kind of the signs that we are moving in a more positive direction? Without doubt, we're, we're moving in a more positive direction. I think the debate comes by which the pace by which we're moving. And I think... Mm. Every fan's allowed to have their expectations, right? And look at things as they as they view it. 
and people who will look at the football side of things and say, okay, we brought in Smith Rowe, we brought in number 10, brought in Martinelli originally, and and suddenly things started to change. And why could we have done that before? You know, and um, but it's never that simple, is it? It's one particular change, although that was a key change. I think it was a few more partnerships on the pitch developing, a way of playing developing, and it manifests itself really more clearly at the weekend. You know, watching mm. watching us play against Spurs, against a you know, pretty experienced team on paper, looking at how they approach the game. And looking at how we approach the game and the clear patterns and the clear structures and the clear diamonds in wide areas and, you know, interconnected movement, you couldn't fail to say, hold on, this team's got an idea and their team hasn't got an idea and the results are everything, right? But even if we drew that game, you walk away and think, there's something happening here if you're looking closely and it's becoming more consistent. I think the one thing that stops us from really getting a bit hyperbolic is our ability to shoot ourselves in our own foot, right? And I think that slowed this down. If you just take out a couple of games, and we all know about Wolves, what happened there, you know, we, we're heading towards three points. We ended up mm. in a traumatic situation. <laughs> and then, and that, that linked into Aston Villa, you know, and then you, you think about Burnley. We managed Burnley away. We managed to do something there, which came out of nowhere. And again, we're in total control. It's these little errors that are stopping people from really looking at us in a different light and we're slightly under the radar because of that i am enjoying how things obviously are changing and that that what i i feel like i saw with the changes in the summer with the type of recruitment that we did the players that we brought in and then and, and obviously the the added effects of of seeing a side that could defend much more resolutely than previously and seeing as we saw on sunday a side that can play much more competitively against bigger sides in the league which has been something that's been a bit of an achilles heel for arsenal over the last decade or so yeah. is competing in those big games um and to see that change come to fruition was great do you think that looking at kind of where we move from here, the obvious answer would be, well, we've got to move on from making these silly defensive errors. And these errors that we make this season have, have pretty much come from a fair few people and and uh, the, the same sort of characters that we've seen with David Louise, of course, and Granite Xhaka making errors. Is it as plain and simple as just turning around and saying, look, in the summer – we're going to move on those players or we're going to upgrade upon those players and we're going to replace them? Or does it, does it, is it, is it kind of embedded and rooted deeper than just individual characters making these errors, do you think? It's a strange one, right? So let's look a little bit more holistically. So if you're looking at the, I don't use like to use the word project, but you sort of have to, right? So there's a project that's been ongoing since, since Wenger walked out, really, had a couple of stop and starts, but we have this project developing and, Throughout that period, we've brought in these experienced players, going back to like Lichsteiner and, and Socrates <laughs> and all, all these players that we feel we needed to have. You know, we somebody in the club felt we needed some leadership on the pitch, right? Even to the point where some of those players weren't, they weren't good enough, obviously weren't good enough. Yeah. And David Louise came in and William came in. And so with my natural want to want to try to understand what the club is doing, I'm thinking, well, why are you doing this? I'm thinking, okay, they're trying to bridge the squad. You know, we have a squad that with a number of aged players and a squad of a number of younger players. We haven't got many PK players, so we need these experienced guys to bridge this squad to the next level to allow us to get there. 
But the worrying thing is, Tom, is that the experienced players are bringing all the drama with them, right? So they're the ones that are bringing the drama. They're the ones that are not, not performing, you know, for long periods of time. Mm. And we're relying on the on the, on the younger players who have actually dragged this club up from a really low ebb pre-Christmas. You know, make no mistake, that was as bad as I can remember. Mm. A really low ebb pre-Christmas. And we're looking at young men like Saka, Tierney, Smith-Rowe, Gabriel. You know, these are, these are young men. Even Odegaard at the weekend, these are all 23 and under. You know, so the experienced guys have really got to step up because they're brought in for a reason, you know, and to get to help navigate us back while we're developing younger talent, you know, and um, they haven't done it. And it's um, it's a disappointment. If I'm the person paying out the wages, I'm looking where my money's going on a week-to-week basis. I'm looking for productivity and output and leadership and all the things you like to see from experienced people in the workplace. Mm. And I'm afraid that's been lacking on far too many occasions. And every time we think it settles down, you know, we get a Shaka moment or a Louise moment or even our skipper at the weekend not even turning up moment, right? So um, these things keep happening and we need to we need to look at that and wonder how we're going to fix this going forward. Just before I move on to the next question, uh, thank you to Janice in the chat box with the donation. This is uh, still buzzing. Arsenal has beaten Chelsea United and Spurs in the league and Arteta has beaten all top six managers. We need to give him credit. Um, I will come on to talking about kind of competing against top six sides in a bit. But sticking with this point, David Luiz is a really interesting character because I look at him even though as someone that has cost us with red cards, with penalty calls. In the yeah. second half, and especially the turn of the year, has arguably been our best defender um, yeah. and has looked like the experienced player that he has been throughout his career, uh, the latter stages of his career. And, and he's put on some really good displays. And it leaves me in a bit of a dilemma because... I, I still kind of maintain that I think that for Arsenal to progress and keep moving on to that next level, Arsenal needs to probably move on from him and need to look at the next player to come in. But I think there is a very legitimate argument that is levelled in my direction when I bring up that point to say that he has been really good and to, and and kind of looking at what is the what is the alternative for Arsenal. Well, the alternative is Rob Holding as the right-sided centre-back. And then, of course, either one of William Saliba or Dinos Mavropanos, who have both had so far very good loan spells. I mean, Mavropanos has now been called up to the senior Greek side today, which is great news for him. Um, so what do you do with Luis? Do you give him another year in which you've got Saliba and Mavropanos that are still very young, that have got a year to maybe either have a loan or to be given time in the first team sporadically? Or do we need to kind of cut that thread and just simply move on and then force ourselves into giving Saliba and Mavropanos more chances. I don't get a feeling that Mavropanos is going to come back in the in the short term. I yeah. agree with you. <laughs> that's that's my feeling. Yeah. yeah, I think really good player. First time we saw him, he looked fantastic, but his body just kept breaking down. Right. So, and even in Germany, he's had some major injury issues. He's just getting some some you know some form now and, and some you know consecutive games. So fair play to him. He's quick, he's front-footed, he can run over his shoulder and he can jump out of his boots. A really good player, potentially, but just needs more time on the pitch to to prove himself. Um, Saliba, I do think, will come back. But if he comes back, he's got to come back as one of four centre-halves, five at most, not one of eight. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, where, that's where we were, right? So he needs to come back at four. So 
does David Louise is he the fifth? And is is it a is there a role for him as a player coach? Because there's something mm. about this guy. He's a interesting individual. I don't think we've seen the last of him. I think Arteta obviously leans on him. In whenever there's something happening, he speaks to him a lot. It's the goal scored. He speaks to him and he goes back on the pitch. He's forced himself into a leadership role. The young players speak so highly of him. So even though I have my doubts, the players in the club seem to love him. You know, and everyone seems to like him. So what do I know? Right? So for me, I wouldn't like to see David Luiz stop us having a look at Saliba a little bit more. Mm. But will David Luiz accept the role of fifth cent and a half at Arsenal Football Club? You know, I'm not so sure. If he's learning coaching, maybe that's a, an option. Or maybe we just say, you know what? We've, we've You've helped us for two years. Rob Holding is now developed. Gabriel has been excellent. Mary's been excellent. And we're going to have our four centre-backs and go this way. You know, that would be a risk. But I can, I'd be happy with it. Uh, but I'd also be happy in a more reduced role. I think he has been a really good defender. I don't always like the fact that he plays every minute of every game. Mm-hmm. I think he should be deployed on certain days. You know, I think he's much better in the big games. In some of the easy games, he knocks off, like Wolves, for example, just for half-time. He knocked off, right? He was having his half-time orange when he got caught out and he <laughs> went fishing. <laughs> he, he went fishing behind the centre forward and um and, and we all know the dog leg appeared in our defence and see you later, all our lives were ruined. Right. Yeah. So um so that sort of stuff is in there. It's in there. You know, and um you just need to know when to deploy him, give him time out, rest his brain, say we need you on this day. We need your service, we need whatever it is. I like to see if he's going to stay, his role needs to be reduced. And will he accept that? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I agree. I think that he will want to to be playing up until the time he retires. And play, when I say playing, I mean as as much as feasibly possible. We, we've seen talk about him wanting to maybe go back to Benfica and spend time yeah. there. But I completely agree in the sense that Arteta and him seemingly have this kind of bit of a, a, a mutual respect, I suppose, for for each other, and that. Arteta appreciates what he brings to the dressing room, the experience that he brings on the pitch and and some of the mentoring, I suppose, he gives to some of the younger players too. And, and I think the calmness that he adds in some of the bigger games, that he's he's been through these time and time again. He knows what he's doing. It doesn't overawe him with pressure. Um, so I, I'm I'm really I've really enjoyed him in the latter part of this season, besides that the crazy moment against Wolves. Um I think that he's been kind of justified maybe the the eight million pounds that we we ended up paying for him in a in a way i suppose um we, we needed him and then and then you have to ask yourself the question we needed him we were left in a situation we got him on board he's had some horror moments but he's had some really good moments right so and we've needed him and that's the truth and so if you want to ask a question of the club why did we need him maybe you can ask that mm-hmm. question why didn't we read the Kashelny decision much much earlier why did we need to rely on him in an emergency situation where people could take money out of our pocket? He can negotiate a good deal and we were desperate to fill that hole. And it, it made sense at that time. I would rather us not be in those panic situations. You know, I might have been much more strategic and planned and we could be looking at somebody at the right age profile that can still do a lot of what he can do, but fits where we're going as a as a club. But of course, it's a different management then, wasn't it? So uh, it wasn't it wasn't Arteta. Yeah. It was it was Emery on the on the last leg. So we, we are where we are. Um, 
Moving on to kind of the other performances of, of the kind of the latter half of the season that we've seen more of before we go on to kind of the overarching Arteta side of things, um, was a player that we discussed on social media and I had all of Clive's followers attack me. <laughs> Every single one of them jumping on because as soon as Clive replies to anything, it's like, no, don't disrespect this man. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a quiet guy. <laughs> I'm a quiet guy. I, I'll never upset anyone. See, someone, if anyone thinks they're going to get have a go at me, everyone defends me, right? I go, oh, I He's didn't know. He's not the quiet puppet master. It's got all these little followers. They're going to attack you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. But yeah, we're, we're discussing Partey. Um, and I, I put, obviously, the tweet and the point of view that I put out on, I was doing the watch along with Hugh, and then I did my own reaction show. And throughout the, the show with Hugh, and then in my reaction, I talked about how I thought that Partey was slightly off what I expect from him. Was was maybe not to the level that I have come accustomed to watching. I, I love watching Atletico Madrid. I've, I've just got off a podcast with someone else talking about him specifically. And mm. I think that a lot of people maybe took out of context how I was describing his performance because yeah. I hold him to such a high standard and I expect so much from him that anything kind of less than that and I'm like, oh, just I, I just wish we could see the full party. And yeah. you obviously, I won't speak for you, but you're... You, um, you're, you're, you thought that the colouring of the the twenty the final twenty minutes may have mis made me misjudge the full thing in context. But what did you make of his North London derby display? Let's talk about him per se, right? So he's had a, he 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 started off really well once he got up to speed, and he picked up that injury. And I think he said himself that he really wanted to get back quickly because the club has spent money on him. He's now getting more money than he's ever had before. He felt a personal responsibility to get onto the pitch. He's also come back a little bit too soon, a little bit too soon, and he's broke down again in the Spurs game, right? So so now he's really on the recovery. And every time, Tom, what you have to remember sometimes is when you're injured, you're not at full training. You're not. You're yeah. losing fitness all of the time. Your training area is outside of the actual injury. And so he's losing fitness. So now he's come back this time and we're, they're obviously nursing him through minute by minute, picked up another little one, I think. But now he's back on the pitch again. So what we have, we have a player that had a very reduced sort of pre-season anyway because of the whole COVID situation. He's come into Arsenal, broke down already, and he's now trying to catch up. So I've already in my mind, I've always said to myself, we're not going to see the best of him until next year. We just need to nurse him through because he's just not at the fitness levels. So what can he do for us now? And and to be honest, when I watched him, because I, I love the player, I absolutely think he's he's, oh, yeah. he's perfect for us. And he's I could not if you tell me to write down the player we needed, I would I would pick this guy. He was just yeah. absolutely perfect. All I could do, I wish he was twenty five, not twenty seven. That's the only thing I would say. <laughs> but, uh, Always I one he, more. <laughs> <laughs> wish he could find the youth drug forever. You know what I mean? Because he's yeah. that good. I think he's that mm. good. I feel like he could go for a lot longer than we might see others, though. His style. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I think so. He's got a lovely, graceful style. It's, it's all about He's such an intelligent footballer. So when the game, when he first was, when we played, Liverpool played Athletic Madrid in the Champions League, the last game before COVID hit. Mm. And if you watch that game where well, he was like brilliant, right? But if you watch that game again, watch the last 10, 15 minutes. Because in that game, he was gassed. He was gassed in that game. 
And everyone say to me, what do you think of Party Clive? I'm thinking, well, I think he's brilliant. He's it. He can do left foot, right foot. He can drive out of his spot. He can tackle. He can front foot. You do what you like. Anything you like. Um, but the one thing, one caveat I have is I think it's going to take time to adjust anaerobically from a fitness mm. level. That's all it was. Just because the pace of the game. Not that he couldn't get to it. He just needed time to adjust. And I think that's actually caught him out. He's overextended himself physically. And I think now he's on the catch-up. So that's it. It's just something we're going to have to wait for. Now, in the games, there are players that make you, that look good. And there are some players that make the whole team look good. And when he's on the pitch, everyone just goes to him. He, he's just like a magnet. And the reason why is his, his absolute stability and presence on the pitch. And the way he receives the ball and the fact he's always got pictures and he always wants to play the harder pass and he encourages others to play the harder pass to him by his movement. And it's, he is so influential in everything he does. There are players that support, I call them support actors and, and Tom Cruises, right? So <laughs> in your film, you have your Tom Cruise and you have your support actors. And he's, he's, one of our, he's a Tom Cruise for us. Right, he makes mm. the whole film look better. Right? Are you saying that um, <laughs> that Peg in Mission Impossible is Granite Xhaka? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But he is he is Tom Cruise, and he's he's just a lead actor. And sometimes Tom Cruise doesn't have a lot of words to say, but you can't take your eyes off of him. Do you see what I mean? He is the guy that makes it all happen. He controls it, and I just can't wait. And everyone's looking at what what's his partner look like. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. So I, I'm not there yet on that, by the way. Mm. Um, but what does his part look like? But actually, it's just getting him on the pitch. And actually, I think he's getting someone else to do a similar job. So we don't have to have this thing in our mind where he plays 90 minutes every single week, three mm. times a week. It's not possible to get levels that we need. We to get somebody that can play with him and for him, if you see what I mean, in place of him. And I think... Next year, mate, we don't have to wait. We just hope he's on the pitch for a little bit longer without another injury. Yeah, I, I love the the word you used to describe it being anaerobically because that that is it. It, it, is it? it is it is the last few minutes of the game, and and it will take. I think that's maybe why he brought him off against Olympiakos for for yeah. Sabayos and because he just kind of and a lot of people at the time were going, "What are you doing? Why are we bringing him off?" And the fact of the matter is, is that he probably was the right decision in that moment because we needed the energy to the end of the, the game against Olympiacos to try and get those goals. It wasn't like in another game where you're a few goals up or you're, you're trying to close a game out. We needed to get the goals and we needed the energy. So bringing on Ceballos for him probably did make the most sense in that, which I suppose when we think... Was that Olympiacos? Was it Olympiacos? I think Olympiacos it was. he brought Ceballos on. And I actually thought that this is why we need someone to replace him as well. Because the way Ceballos... Bias plays. He's a, he doesn't really stand still. He sort of <laughs> he's, not, he's not he's not a reference point. He goes no. after the ball. So when you turn around, and look at your TV screen. He's got his big green square in it, and no Arsenal centre mids in it. You know, and suddenly the game mm. opens up. You know, so I think El is the closest to party. If you know what I mean, because he plays that release valve role. He's available. Just closes the, the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But you know what? You know what I mean. He's happy yeah. to stand, receive, turn around. He's happy to stay in his slot. He understands positionally how to play. So Bias, mm. his DNA says, I want to help this team. So to help this team, I need to go and touch the ball. I need to go over there, go and do a little wall pass there. Come back over here to wall pass there, which is great when you're in charge. When you're not in charge, you're letting everyone run through your middle, right? So 
that can't happen. Tobias hasn't really got recovery pay. So it's an issue for us how we not only support party as a partner next season, but replace him. Who are you having is the question. Who do you want? Who's the oh, name? The name? <laughs> is it Basuma? Is that the one? Yeah. I, the reason why I think he's the one is not because I think he's unbelievable, because I've actually been watching him lately. I think he's jogging. I think he's taking yeah. the mickey. I don't think he's put himself about. I think he's looking like a player that's going to be moving, and he's just doing seven out of ten, and there's so much more under the body, right? So if you're looking at Basuma, then in his recent forms, you're probably thinking, well, he's all right, but I think he's saving himself. The reason why I like him is he has things that we don't really have. So he's a really fast sprinter into the challenge, right? So he really is quicker. So we lack pace in centre mid. So whatever we do, speed. We need to have one player with speed in there. He's a true six. He likes to stand there and look at things all around him, right? So he can play to the left, slightly to the right. Also, if you leave him on his own, he's happy there as well. So I think he's fungible. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. We don't think Shaka's going anywhere. We don't think Part is going anywhere. We're probably going to add one or two kids into that centre mid thing. Four or five is going to be there. So Shaka's going to stay. Party will stay. But adding Basuma, again, we have someone who can do the party role, but also stand next to party on another day, but also someone who can hold a kid's hand in a, in a European game. Do you see what I mean? And yeah. I think that's the type of player we want. We should be looking for an identikit to Shaka, a lefty for me. I don't think so. Um, it's just somebody that can make everybody work and we don't lose anything by putting him in. When we put El Nene in, we, we lose a bit of positivity. And when we put Sobias in, we lose a bit of stability. So I want to see a player come in with stability and be positive at the same time. Mm. That, that is always the thing when it comes down to why... I, I I continue to kind of back Xhaka is because I think people over-exaggerate his negative side of his game in terms of his passing. So I actually think he progresses the play of his passing, especially for our left flank, exceptionally yeah. well. Um, and yet he's he's kind of touted sometimes as a, as a sideways or backwards pass merchant. I think that's an incredibly harsh kind of criticism of him, yeah. um, which is why it's going to be tough to find uh, someone who is better and for someone that's gettable for Arsenal at a reasonable price, which is probably not, doesn't exist. And whoever we get to upgrade upon Xhaka is going to be costly. And I think if anything, that's a, uh, a compliment to Xhaka, if anything. Um, who, who do you like? Do you, do you think we should have a lefty there, like the guy at AZ? Is, what's his name? Um, oh, Coop Miners. Yeah, what do you think? I haven't seen him closely. What do you think? I, I haven't watched loads of him. I know my friend Drew, um, who loves German and Dutch football, l- likes him. Um, but he's not, he's not like, I wouldn't say he's a massively mobile player, Coop Miners, um, which is the thing that I want and why I like Basuma. I like him for his mobility. I like Dennis Sakaria at uh, Gladbach, who ironically is kept out of the team sometimes in the Swiss national side by Xhaka. But they're different players and Sakaria does play more at kind of a base. And I think if you you go for that style of midfielder, that enables Partey to be more expressive and to be more of the... He doesn't have to worry too much about his defensive side of his game. He could be more the guy that progresses the ball up the pitch and maybe Sakaria next to him would unleash Partey even more whilst adding mobility from Xhaka. Um, This is is classic Arsenal, right? Because when Xhaka came in, everyone said he's a a 10, he's a false 10, all this rubbish. (laughs) I, I went to... I looked at him playing for Switzerland and I, I discovered this guy next to him called Dennis Zachariah. And I'm thinking, oh, mm. he looks quite good. And I, I looked at Shaka play for Switzerland. I thought, oh my God, he's brilliant. 
Yeah. Why is he brilliant? Look at that guy next to him. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's doing all he's doing all the work for him. He can just get on the ball. I thought, why don't I also do that? I think that must have been about four years ago. <laughs> so, but we have, he, that's why he's been so good with Partey, because Partey's yeah. been his Zakaria for me. Yeah, he's the exactly. guy that's enabled him. Yeah. But if I can work that out by looking on YouTube, what's up with our recruitment <laughs> people? If yeah, you buy a yeah. player, you have to invest in that player. You don't just invest in him by giving him money. You invest in him by giving him the people that allow him to flourish. And that's what we don't do. Right? So, yeah. You can see all the comments, and I can't. <laughs> oh, I can see. Oh, I can't. Well, you can see them if you click away from private chat. You can see them. Okay. Um, my friend Drew, I mentioned yet. So you can't mention Coop Miners and not have me on the show. So it's. I was just well, yeah, I think I saw you both on the show last week. Yeah. And, um, yes. Going through yeah. players, I thought it was a really good show, and I did comment on it. And um, and yeah, Drew, he knows his stuff, and I listened, and I thought, hey, hmm. you two are good. You're good, and that's a really Cheers, good show. mate. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, just like, sitting here with Clive, one of the most highly rated uh, on the Arsenal sphere. But yeah, no. Um, there, I think there's a number of options. I like, I think a lot of people underrate Joan Jordan um, at mm. Sevilla. It, it, I think he's an excellent centre midfielder. Is he two in a two or three? He's in a two. So okay. he works, or he can play both, to be fair, and has played both at Seville. Yeah. Um, I think nice. him, he is. We, you know, what's a really weird one is is Saul at Atletico. A lot of people say we wouldn't be able to go and get Saul, but his situation's growing increasingly complicated under Simeone. Um, and he's a lefty. You know, he's a lefty. He is a left-footed, yeah, as well. And he's kind of obviously he has partnered Partey in the midfield there, which is obviously his dream scenario. Um, yeah. And then there's the other one. I love Fabian Ruiz at Napoli. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Another lefty, I, believe, I think he's left-footed. Um, he, he's just, for me, he's just the, that's the perfect partner for, for what I want. Just checking if he is. Uh, he's left-footed, yeah. Um, elegant is the word I use for him. He's just so, so good. Um, and he just costs a lot of money. Yeah, Look at Elliot Sassuolo, yeah, he's another one. He's kind of more deeper, I suppose. Um, and then the other one, who a lot of people I don't think know too much about, is Mikel Moreno um, at Real Sociedad. He spent time at Newcastle on loan from Dortmund, uh, Spanish midfielder, who's 24 now. Um, and he is quietly, and now he's a Spanish international as well, has gone under the radar a bit. And I think that he gives you everything that Fabian Ruiz does, but he gives you physicality. And he, he spoke this year, he did an interview with The Guardian where he spoke about his time at Newcastle and how that basically added that dimension to his game where he's no longer kind of a, 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 a typical La Liga, technical, lightweight, kind of low centre of gravity, but actually he's someone who's he's a battler as well as having all that technical and dynamic side of his game. So I think he's someone that people maybe are sleeping on a lot. Um, <laughs> I can see this show divulging into us just... Just going all over different transfer targets there. Um, but it's, it's certainly somewhere. And I think the recruit, I mean, we, it's a nice segue, I suppose, into the manager and talking about Arteta and what he's doing because one of the, the big props I've given to him is is how he's changed with Edu, who I think has got a lot of stick at the start of his tenure and is gradually maybe starting to convince people otherwise through yeah. the players we brought in and the players we're moving out, most importantly, as well that we've got kind of a little bit of a dynamic duo between those two that kind of get each other and understand where this club needs to go moving forwards. And I think the biggest thing that they both identify with Partey and Gabriel is we need to change the 
the silhouette of what an Arsenal player is um, <laughs> and the physicality and intelligence of these players. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's an interview that Edu did and he, and he spoke about physicality and he actually smacked his thighs as in the interview. <laughs> and I, I was like, going, I nearly punched the air because not because I want a, a set of players like Davis and Sanchez at the weekend that are physical but got no brain, you know, because that's what happens when you've got no brain but you are physical. It doesn't matter how physical you are. You've got to have brain to go with it. And Gabriel and Party certainly have. When you have physicality in your team, for me, what you create is a is a higher floor. People look mm-hmm. at your ceiling all the time. Oh, he's got a high ceiling, got a high ceiling. Well, actually, what I look at, so if we turn up on the pitch any, any given day, are, are we going to get 7 out of 10 from this team just by who they are and how they play and how they can move? And I'd like to see that a lot more. Well, that's what in the teams in the past... There was a certain physicality which said, we might not win every game, but we're not going to get boshed by this lot. Do you see what I mean? And we've gone through some, in historically, in recent history, our floor is unknown. Mm. Our ceiling could be higher, but it's got lower. But people have to think sometimes with recruitment, think about your floor, not just your ceiling, right? Raise the floor level that at any given day, this is what we can do. That's when you become a league-winning team. That's why we've been a cup team recently, because our floor is too inconsistent. And everyone's focused on where we can be. So we're now a cup team. We've got a cup squad. Any given day, we can beat anybody. That's a cup team, isn't it? That's what Spurs used to be in days gone by. We were the league team with solid players, seven out of teners every single week. Some of that's technical security, some of that's physical presence. We still lack presence in certain certain areas. So for me, centre forward is staring you in the face. The yeah. presence there, right center back is staring you in the face. When I get the names again, <laughs> <laughs> right back is staring you in the face. You know, a, a physical option there. The right side defender staring you, and basically center forward is looking at you, and more center midfield cover, which is of a which is of a physical pace, technical level, which is a higher floor than we currently have outside of Chaperon Party. Then you create a new floor for yourself. And from there, you can build. You can build a new ceiling. And you have to think about this. And I think Edu gets it. I think Arteta gets it. We haven't quite seen it because, just to be honest, if Party plays another 10 games, we're, we're, we're 10 points better off, right? If you just mm. pick up those injuries. That's the truth of it, right? So, yeah. and he hasn't been able to do that. So we are where we are. So I think they get it. Now, the, for me, the next thing is, are they going to get the money to do it? And that's the key thing, really. And, and that's what frustrates me because I love sitting here with with you or anyone else and talking about transfer targets and names of people. And there's always that that, that just that <laughs> drowning kind of element of of my heart inside, knowing that I just feel like under the current ownership, Arsenal are never going to get that kind of consistent backing summer upon summer to improve and, in, and integrate quality players in every in in the the frequency of positions that we need to. Um, that's the issue. It is the issue. I think the, I'll give an example. Of, I'll go on to it in a minute, Tom, but I'll give an example of a team with a, with a higher floor who are not mm. that good. Everton. They're not that good. We've they're talked quite, about this. Yeah. yeah they're, they're quite physical. They're quite, they've got somebody in the box who can jump out of his boots in, in, mm-hmm. in Calvert-Lewin. The guy next to him can score the odd goal. So that's your front line sorted. They've got runabouters in the centre midfield who are quite strong, quite sprinty. And they've got four centre-back no, centre back for being the back. Yeah, four, they were four centre backs as a back four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben Godfrey, ben Godfrey, unbelievable player potentially, and they literally have big lumps there. 
And so their floor is higher. So they, they developed a level of consistency, right? I don't think they're going to be in the Champions League in, in for, for three years in a row. They just lifted their levels. West Ham similarly lifted their physical levels, right? Mm-hmm. And what that means is they can compete with us in any given day. They can go to Liverpool and beat them. And they're developing a, a system and a way of playing which is accumulating points, you know? So when we play well, we have to play beautifully well. We're still in that phase, as we did at the weekend, and even then we had a bit of trauma towards the end. So I think that's where I think Edu and Arteta are going to take us with the, with the physical and technical balance this team has lacked for many, many years, to be a league team. And to do that on the KSC side of things, I've had this theory for a while. Um, it's just my theory, so please shoot me down if I <laughs> think I'm wrong. But obviously they, they brought us in 2000, well, they became the majority shareholders in 2009. Yeah. The real problem for Arsenal was the duality of ownership for me. When you had a duality, you're just going to have a situation where no one's going to overinvest in the team yeah. beyond to reach its ambition. Why do that when you don't own the whole show? So in the last couple of years, he owns the whole show. And I think there's been changes with um, the board. There's been changes at the exec level. We all know about this. We've been through many, many, many times. But I've always felt they've wanted to get the club in a fiscal position where they run more efficiently. You don't invest in money into an organisation which has got leakage everywhere, you know, where you're hemorrhaging cash. So I'm hoping that this part of um, us removing certain high-paid players from the club, getting yourself in financial shape, creates a situation where they're going to invest in. Right, so January was a real indicator for me. Moving players out, can you get to a situation when we do more of that in the summer? And that's the moment to invest. If it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. And that's a real worry. We are heading to a real fork in the road in this club to understand the ambition of the owners because there are lots of clubs doing exactly what we did years ago and doing it as well, if not better. Better recruitment, better facilities, <laughs> better scouting. And so we've got to do it. And so I think they understand the problem statement. Now, are they going to do it quickly enough? I just hope so. Yeah. Obviously, picking up on your two points, that firstly, Everton, I'm so glad you you said that because, I mean, me and Drew have sat here and we've talked about the idea that I felt that Everton were just performing at the absolute maximum of what they're capable of right now. And kind of that was used as a, as a bit of a stick to beat Arteta with because they're saying that you've got this experience coaching in Ancelotti and he's the one getting that full potential out of them. Why isn't Arteta getting the full potential out of the the Arsenal squad? And you explained it perfectly because the theory of using the use of the word a floor for both teams is is 100% spot on because Everton's floor is higher than Arsenal's because Arsenal tend to shoot themselves in the foot and and literally hammer that floor as low as it will go sometimes. Um, and and when we build that up, and that takes that's not done in one summer window, unfortunately, with this Arsenal squad that's been mismanaged in regards to recruitment for so long now. And we use kind of this theory of to to progress a team, you need to recruit players that are an improvement on what you've already got. And we've talked about it already, where Socrates and Mustafi came in at a key position, and neither of them were better than Koscielny. and that yeah. in itself was a problem. At centre midfield, we did the same thing. I mean, Lacazette. I love what he's given to the club at times, but has he really progressed us beyond Olivier Giroud? Arguably, probably not in terms of goal output. And if it is progression, it's only ever so slightly. 
Aubameyang yeah. then came in six months later because I think they maybe even identified that the lack of goals from Lacazette needed already with Alexis leaving as well something to come in and change it uh, and then they created a problem themselves because they're two 50 million pound strikers with one position available uh, so which just goes to show that the, the recruitment yeah. issues we've had so when you look at last summer and you see Arteta and Edu identify the two key positions of the team that have been desperately crying out for significant attention and they bring in Gabriel, who is just the archetypal defender that we've desperately needed, someone who's physical and big, but not slow, can keep up with players, can win balls in the air, can muscle players out the park. Yes, he's still inexperienced, and the red card against Southampton showed that. But the point yeah. is, is that he's going to have potential to grow. And then you bring in Thomas Partey, who, as you said, if he was 25, he'd be a 100 out of 10 type of signing. Um, yeah. But he's, he'll, we'll have to settle for a 10 out of 10 type of signing at 27. Um, but yeah, he... If that continues, and I mean Erdogan as well, just on loan in January. My last kind of to, to talk about with Arteta is that one of the biggest questions of Arteta has been, what is this manager's style? And my answer to that has very much been, I don't like feel like we'll see the like near or close to kind of the what he wants without the personnel that he wants. So how much do, how much do you think we're seeing of his style? What do you think his style is, I suppose, first of all? And how much is that restricted by the tools that are available to him currently? So I think, you know, I think he he likes technical players, but he likes people that can work harder, right? So that's what I think. I also think football's changing, right? It's almost becoming a game where you need, when you've got the ball, you you got, 11 midfielders on the pitch. That's what it's mm -hmm. becoming, right? So you go to any academy now, when they're developing players, they develop midfielders and they put them in positions later in, in, in their sort of age profiles and growth. We need fullbacks that play like midfielders. Centre-backs, when they have the ball, they're midfielders. You know, it's mm -hmm. the same as when you have, you have people behind the ball, you have people ahead of the ball, you have attacking midfielders, you have people behind the ball setting the play. The attacking midfielders, what we saw at the weekend with Saka Odegaard and Smith Rowe, I know they're young and light, but that's what Man City have, isn't it? It's very similar type players, right? I mean, Foden, De Bruyne, you know, Bernardo Silva, technical players, technical players, Sterling, they can move it, they can punch off the spot, they can run in behind, they can receive it all different ways. You need technical problem solvers in those areas, right? So I think, I don't look at it from a style perspective, I look at it from a player attribute perspective. Behind the ball, have you got the ability to set the play, stop people coming at you, shots, shot suppressing midfielders, defenders that can run over their shoulders but can build play as well. They can they can defend our box but can come out of our box, you know, play a high line as well. There are certain things you need to be able to do. So we've had defenders that can't play a high line. We've had defenders that are no good in their box. You know, so we need to have a situation where we have the right type of players. From an attacking point of view, I'm I'm not sure yet. If you said to me, what's the centre-forward that, that he likes? I'm not sure, apart from Aubameyang, obviously, because he invested in him. I've got an idea. But now look at what some teams are doing with false nines and all the rest of it. I'm wondering, you know, is the game changing? It's quite interesting the weekend. We know Lacazette sort of stunk out of the room a little bit in the box from a finishing perspective. But we had 11 players on the pitch. We had 11 players that could look after the ball, work hard off the ball, receive it, turn around, combine in small spaces, short passing, clever movement, bi-directional movement. So this is something I've been looking at lately, Tom. So you have movement, 
You know when you do the piston movement, one drops in, one goes in behind, yeah. very simple. But I watch Man City do it, bi-directional. So the hardest movement to track is to track movement off the sides. If you have movement off the sides and you're going in behind, when you're a defender, you have someone coming across you, it's the hardest thing because you don't know whether to pass him on. That moment to pass him on is much harder to judge. And all you need to be is a half a second late and, and he's gone. When someone goes in behind you, you can drop off based on pressure on the ball. You can, it's much easier to defend that piston movement. One comes short, one going behind. Mm. It's easier to do that. But when you get bi-directional movement, people running off the sides and going deep and long, then you start to get something that's really hard to track. And at the weekend, I thought our movement was outstanding. You know, yeah. so it's not just what you do on the ball. You talk to any kid when you're coaching them. I think it's 87 minutes of the game. You don't touch the ball, right? So what are you doing the rest of the time? It's all about what you, how you're engaged in the game, how you're moving in the game. And I thought we got that really well the weekend. And he, and he educated me. I've got to be honest with you. Before that game yeah. started, I saw that three behind Lacazette. I'm thinking we're in trouble here. <laughs> but they, but they educated me, and and I think he's going to do this a lot more. He's going to buy more of these players that can do that understand where the weakness is, but I've got the attributes to exploit it, you yeah. know. And I think that's really key, you know, not just having players that are good players but don't understand the game. Uh, I think that it's weird that you said about we being worried about those three in the preview show. They're the three that I put in my predicted kind of 11 that I thought maybe we should go for because I just, I love the fluidity. I love the way they interchange with each other. And I love, as you use the words, problem solving skills that they've got. And that's something that Arsenal kind of lacked in the first third to half of the season was the ability to break sides down. And, and now, now we didn't have a 10 basically. And now we've got two great ones that both go into the starting lineup in Erdogan and Smith-Rowe. But I think people kind of get bogged down in the association with Emil Smith-Rowe being shoved out to the left-hand side. And I, don't, I think that's completely, I don't feel like he's being shoved out to the left. I feel he's playing kind of this inside left position. We're playing, we're playing double tens really, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Right, and they are the key. So we've got, almost got like a box in the middle of the pitch, right? We've got a box with Shaka and Party behind and those mm. two up ahead. And they're allowed to be free, almost like free tens. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And so it enables Tierney as well to be so much more expressive. enables Tierney, which then decide defines what your right backs look like right? mm. on, on occasion, right? So it's quite interesting. We've seen three right backs in recent weeks and all had really good games. We speak about this last night. Callan Chambers. Did really well at Burnley, really well. I mean, understand the role. Bellerin for that day and um, Olympiakos, much more offensive game. And he suited that day away from home in Europe. We needed the goals. Perfect. No problem at all once he was rested. But I thought Cedric or Spurs was tremendous. You know, his combination play, his technical ability on the ball to create different lanes, passing lanes. If one lane is gone, he has got enough shake and bake moves to create another lane. He knows where to hold it, when to delay it. He's got great cross. He knows where to go inside, outside. He's a player you'd like to play with because he gets it. He absolutely gets the game. And I read today, mm. he got in the Portugal squad. And yeah. I'm thinking, that is true. That is... When people used to come to Arsenal, they, they used to get out of it in national sports. <laughs> <laughs> in national break, and all our players are there. Yeah. <laughs> I think Ra- was it Ramsey, the captain at Wales, and then he was ta- was taken away from it. <laughs> exactly. Come to Arsenal, yeah. get loads of national break time off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's going the other way now. We're getting players that are getting into national teams, and which is a real positive sign. So, um, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, we've got about just under 10 minutes left, and I wanted to give the, the listeners a, chat, a chance to ask some questions. Um, so let's go through as many as we can in 10 minutes. We'll see how many we get through. Uh, Juan says, uh, Tom, if we get Champions League, would it be harder to move out some of those players that we do not want but would like to play in the Champions League? It's an interesting question. Say if we do qualify for Europe, do you think it makes it difficult to move some players on? Not just Champions League, but Europa League. I think moving players on is a challenge full stop, isn't it? You know, mm. and I think you see Gwendouzi's comments in the press over, overnight, and it's like, Yeah, I want to come back. I've got one year to go. I need to talk to my entourage. I'm thinking, Hold on, this sounds like he's going to come back and sit on his hands for a year and walk out in a free transfer as a 23 year old. Yeah, it could easily happen, couldn't it? Yeah. Easily happen. He doesn't have to go anywhere. And I think it's, it's very hard for clubs, particularly us who overpay, it's very hard for us to move people on. We did a little bit of work in January, but I wonder how much that cost us to pay people off. You know, it's um, we've created a situation for ourselves with our generous mm. wage bill, shall we say? Yeah. And so, why would you leave the green fields of London Colney when you're at Arsenal? Why would you do that? You know, um, to go somewhere else where you're not going to get paid the same. The market's changed, and we're left with it. Back to my question on investment: we really do need some to shortcut this process. Drew says Xhaka continues to show how valued uh, to Arteta he is, especially as everyone has improved post-Boxing Day. Does the narrative that we need to replace him need to be revisited? Yeah, that's true, isn't it? I, 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 yes. I agree with you. I don't think we desperately need to replace him. This is my Basuma thing. We need somebody fungible in there. I just think he's... I, I don't think we need another lefty. You know what I mean, Tom? I don't think we need another lefty to, to, to do what he does. So we've got mm. one that does that role. Let's bring in somebody else to replace the El Nenny Sabayas thing. You know, one player to replace that player. And that player has got to be somebody which is um, Basuma-like for me. It's a bit, you can move him around. Let's not get het up about this player. Let's make sure that whatever, every time Arsenal go on the pitch, we've got a level of security we need in front of that back four. Very quickly before I ask this question, I don't know if you managed to see it before you came on, but Arsenal put a video out uh, of Kieran Tierney with a mic. He had a, like a mic, or I don't know if he had a mic attached to him, but you could hear every word and they focused on him. Um, and Victor Edwards says, having watched the YouTube video Arsenal posted of Tierney, should and if so, when will Arsenal make Tierney the captain? And what would be the drawbacks of, I imagine that means maybe taking it off of Aubameyang after... What he did? What did you? I mean, what did you first of all make of the Aubameyang situation yesterday or Sunday? And and what do you make of Tierney as a possible future captain? Aubameyang messed up, and I hope he realised he's messed up. I'm not. <laughs> I've not read it. I've not read anything yet. Have you? I'm not sure if anything's broke yet. But um... the only thing I know about it is that it was traffic was the reason that was given, um, and that the issue is obviously that it wasn't just he was late, but apparently it was a significant enough of a time that it was a problem, basically. Yeah. And so the way these things normally work in, in clubs, you have certain times for meetings, and this is a, a big respect thing. If you're late and everyone's waiting for you to start a meeting, that's not good, right? Sometimes you get away with it if it's one or two times, but if it starts to escalate, then mm. that's a problem, you know? And it's obvious this has happened a few times. I said last night that the club have done a lot by him. You know, he's looked after him financially, looked after him with his mother's situation, which is obviously a nice thing to do, which is the right thing to do. In a COVID environment, we don't just lose him for that day, we lose him for the week after. Mm. And those games, we didn't win those games, all those games when he was missing. Um, so the club has done right by him. All he's got to do 
is do what we spoke about earlier. Lead by example. One of the experienced players, lead by example. We know he carried the team on his back for most of last calendar year until things went a little bit wrong post the contract. He's coming back to form now. I'm afraid when when you're an older player, you should be the first one there. There shouldn't even be a debate. You should be there, literally, you should be one of the first ones there. It can't happen regularly. And because of your stature in the club, the club almost have to react to you in a different way because you do lead the culture, right? The, the senior players are the ones that own the culture of the group. If they're allowed to get away with things, as we've seen with our friend Mr. Ozil with numerous back injuries and et cetera, et cetera, if you're allowed to get away with things, <laughs> that, that culture disseminates throughout the whole club, right? So it's, I don't. I hope I would say that if we were on the back of a 2-1 defeat. I hope I would. Um, but I think the club did just about the right thing. Tini captain? It's It fits everyone's narrative. Mm. He's, come, he's 23 years of age. Nice narrative, though. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be nice to have somebody captain that we're not giving it to him to keep him. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. feels as though we've given it to some. Oh, don't leave us. We'll make you captain. Do you know what I mean? Oh, great. <laughs> it's not the school team. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I'd like to see somebody earn it. And he's the one that's um, probably Shaka, actually. Shaka probably earned the captain's role because in the club, yeah. he is the he is the de facto captain, really. Um, and he just found a way to get out of it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and so, and Tierney's next on the, he's next off the rank for me. And uh, I just want to see him earn it and sign another contract. And then I think he, his time will come a couple of years. Last one uh, before we wrap up from Jashar Josiah, who says, Clive, what are your thoughts on Willock and our boy Mainsley, uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles mm. situations? Right. So Willock, do you see his game at the weekend? Yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was very good. good. He was very good. And um, it's so interesting watching him develop. And we all know he's rough around the edges and he's not clean technically, but his authority on the pitch is growing. And he is demanding the ball. And he's like, before I felt the game would go around him until it was in a moment where he could show his running. Now he's demanding the ball standing still and he's got turnout. He's got, you know, Press moves, get out, get out of the press moves. He's got those moves. He's developing them. He knows he's good in that group. He's standing next to Shelby, so he looks athletic compared to him and Hayden. And he knows so he's, got, <laughs> <laughs> he's got something there. And it's just so interesting watching him come out of himself, right? And um, so I don't know. I don't know if he's an Arsenal player. I generally don't know. If someone's offers twenty-five million, what would the club do? I'll you know, take it um, all day long. I think I would I think, as well. I think, you, yeah. I think you have to. I think you have yeah. to. You've got to say to yourself, because I'm still not sure what he is. He plays in like in the third, he's in the three-man midfield. If we go to three-man midfield, let's have a look at him. If we're mm. doing the 4 2 3 one, I'm sorry, mate. You're not going to play behind the ball and we've got people ahead of the ball which are, who are better than you. So it might be something you have to think about for your own career and that's that's absolutely fine. And then we do get a Basuma use that cash for Basuma and who we know exactly what he is. Yeah. So I mean, there's no debate. That's what you are. We need you. Right. So, and that's business and that's, it would be hard to take, but that's life. Right. So, um, on Ainsley, that's what you read. I've been watching him. And again, he's another one that's improving with his uh, presence and wanting to receive the ball. It's quite interesting looking at him physically. 
to me, he seems to have shrunk a little bit. <laughs> he seems to have got smaller. <laughs> yeah. he, he, He's uh, when he first he's came surrounded on... by big players, and we yeah. don't have them. <laughs> well, I've noticed, I've noticed that Arsenal is well. Maybe that's maybe that's a point. That's a very good point. But when he first got in the Arsenal team, remember he big square shoulders he used to have, quite yeah. square shouldered. He was more he was more of the physical Bellerin. Do you see what I mean? Now mm. he looks incredibly light. He looks like a small centre mid, really quick. Switches on when there's a recovery to happen. But he fancies himself on the ball. He's got a unique style. He stands still when he sees it. He stops play. He fancies himself. But again, he's not clean. But Sam, is, he's really getting him going. Again, I don't think it's a home for him. You know, I just don't think it's a home for him at all. So I think he wants to go and make his career as a midfielder. And I just don't see that Arsenal. And um, it's a shame. But he's done great for us, hasn't he? You know, he's covered yeah. us on multiple positions. When we moved away from the back three, I think that hurt him a lot because that hybrid role disappeared. He couldn't play wing back. He couldn't play the inside role. I think he quite liked that. Left back killed him. Didn't fancy that. Right back, he doesn't fancy it. So it's his prerogative, right? It's his career. He needs to go where the money is and go where the football opportunities are and not do what we need to do to make us feel comfortable. We've got we've got a backup right back. Yeah. No, yeah, 100% spot on and I would move both of them on. What I like about this summer upcoming is that we've actually got some players that we can move on uh, and we look like we can make some sales to reinvest. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure, Clive, as it always is, uh, to have a chat, mate. Yep, anytime. I didn't take too long to come back this time, did I? <laughs> no, it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, you're on a long list of people. Like, it's a long list. You're a wanted man. And, no, no, no. Uh, I can see yeah. why. Um, I appreciate so, it. I, I, I obviously I dive into a lot of your shows. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, I listen to them, and I think you know what? I listen to how the your audience interacts with you, and they're a good group, right? <laughs> they're so, a good um, bunch. They are. They're yeah. a good group. They know their stuff. They give you a lot of stick where you deserve it. So um, yeah, it's, but it's good. It's good stick. It's good stick, and um, they do know their stuff. They really do. So hope they appreciate this. Yeah, um, we do obviously thank you guys in the chat box. You're great. I always tell you you're great. And now you're hearing it from Clive, you're great. So we've got a second opinion on it now. Uh, so you can't even argue it anymore. Um, but no, Clive, tell people where they can find you on the old socials. And uh, I'm assuming there'll be an Arsenal Vision podcast again very soon too. Yeah, well, I'm doing one in a little while actually. Um, Arsenal Vision is my main thing really. And um, so that's going pretty well, to be honest with you. It's going pretty well, I seem to. <laughs> and so that's, that's it. And um I don't know if you are, I only come on to like this and a couple of other shows, Tom, as you know. And um, but yeah, you can come for you can find me on Clive PAFC, that's where I am. So yeah, there follow me. Go. Come there in, I'll have a chat with you anytime. Just don't disagree with him because the minions will come for you. That's, that's what I'll say. They'll find you. They will find no. five people knocking at my door yesterday. <laughs> I mean, let's have a chat and I'll, I'll be there. I'll promise I'll reply to anyone that comes oh, in. Well, I'm looking forward to lockdown ending. And I'm sure we can share a beer at some stage, hopefully after a game when we can finally get back to the grounds for sure. I'm looking forward to that day. Oh, uh, really, bet, really, bet. Really, you bet. really am. If you have enjoyed the show, people, please make sure you drop a like on the video before you go and subscribe to the channel. If you're new, make sure you give Clive a follow at Clive PAFC on Twitter and the Arsenal Vision podcast too. You can follow us at the Goon Talk TV and myself at Tom Canton Media, where you can find my written stuff at 101 Great Goals. We will see you again tomorrow for the preview of what will hopefully be a simple task on Thursday evening, but there's one, two words that don't go together well. It's Arsenal and simple. So we'll have to see what happens. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And as always, up the Arsenal.
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.